it's a pleasure and honor to be here today, to be able to um, um, be here in, in, fr- in front of you, uh, to insert myself where Luke normally is. Uh, he is such a blessing to me and my family. He has been so um, helpful, so encouraging in my walk as a man who is uh, extremely broken. Uh, and man, I just love this church. I love our pastor. I love our pastors. I love the people that I'm in community with. I love all of you for um, strengthening and encouraging me to live this uh, Christian walk that has transformed my life. Um, I, I, uh, I'm thankful and encouraged by last week. So uh, Luke had challenged us to give, right, to a family who is in need. Um, I, I texted him in the middle of the week, and I was like, hey, man, where is that drop down? And he sent me a text back, and he says, man, he says, everyone has gave exponentially. He says, I don't even know that I'm going to be able to match it, like outside of what uh, he was going to match. Now, that, my friend, is encouraging. And I personally, he's probably going to thank you himself, but I personally I'm encouraged and thankful that the, uh, the pockets aren't, that you aren't looking at your pockets as something that you need to keep, but something that you can be free to give with. I feel like that's what we're all called to do. Um, last week's sermon, if you haven't listened, was a very impactful. It was impactful for me, uh, and, and I encourage you to go back, if you haven't listened to it, to go listen to it. Um, it was in Acts where Ananias and Sapphira, they were, they were dishonest. Uh, they were dishonest about the money they made, and then they tried to lie about it, which is uh, it's not good. He also talked about how we as people try to be more impressive than we actually are, a, a future version of ourselves that we want to portray to people. Uh, that is, that's something that actually I was struggling with this morning. I'm thankful for Luke for calling me and saying, hey, man, um, you are where you are. Don't worry about impressing people uh, and thinking of a future self who is actually more articulate, more thoughtful about Scripture. So where you can, uh, you know, portray to you people a future version of myself. Uh, some of the pastors that I've listened to, they are so good and articulate, John MacArthur, Paul Washer, etc., where they are just so good because they've done it diligently for years and years and years. And I hope I get there, uh, but I'm not there today. So please bear with me as I uh, unleash God's Word and just try to be as authentic as possible. Um, and that was one of the things, again, that stuck out in Luke's past, uh, um, sermon last week. Just being authentic. Just be who you are, man. Your messy, nasty self, be who you are. And I think uh, that's where we all need to be. Uh, we need to be open, honest, uh, where we are, uh, not just with ourselves, with our community, the people around us, the people who may not know us as, you know, they don't know us as, as good as we know ourselves. So let's be honest. Let's be authentic. Again, I, 
I push you to that sermon because it was really impactful for me and I'm sure it will be impactful for you. Another thing he talked about was not being afraid to get hurt. If, if it wasn't for God putting my mess on display, I don't think anybody would have ever seen what I was. Uh, how I was trying to be this different person, right, to seem as if I had it all together. That was eating the inside of me uh, for a long period of time. And I thank God for his freedom now that I have in my sin and in my mess. Uh, Just him putting my stuff on display um, catapulted me into an authentic self to where people saw the real me. And as shocked as it may, uh, as shocked as it was to some people, I was thankful. I was thankful because... I, never, I didn't have to hide anymore. Think about it. Not having to hide anymore, that's what, that's what we always do. We don't have to hide, right? We are in Acts, but I'm going to transition to James this week. Uh, God has impressed James on my heart. He impressed James on my heart the uh, last time I preached, which uh, most of you probably weren't here. It was only probably like three of you. And it wasn't on video, so you can't see it either. Uh, But I did preach on James, and based on what has happened in my life, I feel like I needed to stay there. I needed to talk about the joy that I have. Um, James is is such an impactful book. It's Christian living. It's authenticity. It's, It's figuring out if... What you're living for is actually what you're living for. Um, I love that. A lot of people don't. Um, that's not what we aspire to, right? That's, that's not our, our inclination is to, to be exposed, for somebody to question our faith. Uh, there's, um, there are people who, if you question their faith, they're quick to get upset, very quick. And why is that? Should we not look within ourselves and examine if what they're saying is true? Because it's possible that it is. So why aren't we quick to listen to that? No, we're quick to have a rebuttal or explain why you're wrong, right? That's what we do. James is a series of tests. It's a series of of um, going straight to authenticity, cutting through all the fluff, right? There's test, there's blame and temptation, there's test of righteous works, impartiality towards another, test of the tongue, now that's a big one, right? We're so quick to excuse the tongue. Well, James says, no, that can't be so. Testing is, is something that we do. It's a part of our life. It's a part of everything we do. We're always testing something. We test our kids to see if they obey, which typically they don't. So that's a test, right? Schools have tests. We test people to see if they are true friends. I can't begin to explain in my, my life how I've tested friends. My friendship has been tested. 
right? That's a big deal to me, and I know it's a big deal to you. We want to test those friendships, see if they're authentic, see if they're real. We don't want fake. We really don't. As fake as we want to be, we don't want to see true, we don't want to see people actually be fake towards us. Right? Testing shows true authenticity. Examining ourselves, true authenticity. I'm going to go to, throughout Scripture, I'm going to go to a few, a couple um, chapters right quick that tells us to examine ourselves. Right? We're going to turn to Haggai 1, 5 through 7. It says this, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, examine. You have so much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Verse in the New, New Testament, Galatians 6. If you can turn here, turn here. I don't want to go too fast. Galatians 6, 3 through 5 says, For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Throughout Scripture, there's always this theme of test and examine. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Luke, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Matthew, and throughout other books of Scripture, there's this theme of examine yourself, test your faith. And James, in the first chapter, is asking and telling us to be authentic in our faith to trial suffering. Let me read James 1, 2 through 12. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and it withers the grass. Its flowers fall and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. There is a 17th century pastor by the name of John Bunyan, not to be confused with Paul Bunyan, who I thought of when I first heard this story. He is not the babe in the blue ox. 
He is a 17th century pastor who endured much trial based on his belief, based on his preaching. He was uh, out of England, and he was part of a nonconformist church, which if conformity would be the Church of England, the parish church or the Catholic church. Well, he, uh, throughout, throughout the time, was part of a nonconformist church. Well, they didn't like that. So whenever he came uh, to do this, they actually, in 1593, they passed an act called the Conventicles Act. Conventicles Act, sorry. When they passed it, uh, they were really loose with it, but then once uh, they had somebody who wanted to in, uh, uh, enforce this act, he had two choices. One, preach the gospel, or go to prison. Now, I know that that's a hard choice, right? Um, but he had to make it. That's a pretty, pretty tough choice. Because not only did he have to endure prison, but he had four children, one of which is blind. So while it would seem unloving to his wife and his children that he would go to prison, he chose that. He chose prison. Now, that may seem unloving to you, but it doesn't to me. This is a man who was called to do something. He was called to the gospel, and nothing was going to stop him. Now, that doesn't mean he, he was happy about that, right? I'm sure he wasn't. There's things that we aren't going to be happy about. He sustained through that. He was able to preach the gospel to other men, women who needed it through that. It's a trial. It's, it's, it's hard. It's, it, it, we go through these things all the time. Now, before I continue, I think uh, I just want to kind of hit on how happiness and joy, right? Because we know he wasn't happy, but somehow he had joy through the midst of this. He had to. There's, there's, no, there's no way that the happiness overtakes what's going on with him. So he has to be joyful about something that we know to be the gospel. So happiness is kind of muddled. Happiness and joy is kind of muddled, right? Like, like our world kind of puts them together as if they're interchangeable. And I believe that to be uh, not the truth. I don't think that's true at all. We can't. It can't be the same. Happy is fleeting, right? It comes and goes based on our situation. It's not something that sustains so we can be happy one moment, something happened, we're not happy the next. The joy sustains itself. It doesn't go away based on circumstances. Happiness is pleasing oneself. We please ourselves, right, when we're happy. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Me, 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 me. Happy me, right? It's about me. Joy it's selfless. It's not about you, right? We, um, I, I was leaving work the other day, and I had to stop 
because a woman had a, she had a flat tire. She couldn't speak a lick of English. She had a flat tire. Me and my buddy stopped. Now, I had something to do, so I'm not happy that I have to stop, right? I'm not mad either, but I'm not happy. Once we did it, there was that joy, right? So what is about my happiness there? It's about my joy that I feel from, for us helping that woman, right? I don't have to tell anybody about it, but it was the joy that I felt down here in my heart. Happiness has the appearance of joy, right? When you see somebody happy, it doesn't mean they're joyful. I had a friend um, that I used to work with, and he had the, I would say, posture of happiness. He seemed happy. I found out that he relieved himself of his life recently. So they can't be the same thing, right? Their perception of happiness doesn't equal joy. Matter of fact, I know some happy-looking people who are absolutely miserable inside. And I know you do too. My question is, are you that happy person that's not really joyful? Are you trying to fake it? See, there's a difference. Joy is what you feel internally. Happiness is external. What are some, because I, I think, you know, when you look at the story of Paul Bunyan, oh, I see Paul Bunyan. Come straight to the head. You can't. It's a story that we've always seen. It came straight to my head. John Bunyan. John Bunyan. We look at that trial and we say, man, I, that would never happen to me. Right? We, 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 we don't live in that time. Right? We don't, we don't live where we're actually being persecuted for our preaching of the gospel. Right? I'm right here in front of you today. Nobody's coming in and trying to tell me, hey, you can't do that. But he talks about having joy in trial. So my question is, what are some of the trials that you came in here with? Because I know you came in here with some. What are some of the trials that you endure on a day-to-day basis? You can have big ones, right? There's big ones. There's, um, there's a death of a loved one. There's um, cancer. There's all type of health issues, things that, um, that kind of are out of your control to a sense. Or small ones, small trials. I'm going to talk about a trial I had last week where my son, <laughs> we're on our way to church, and he decides that his sock doesn't feel right. And he sits down, and for five minutes, now, as we're leaving the door, not prior, as we're leaving the door, he says, my sock don't feel right. It's like, really? We got to go, man. Like, what are you doing? 
Stop. I know y'all, if, you, if you're parents, you've dealt with this. This, this is lame, right? It, it's, it's terrible, but it also brings out your mess, right? Dude, I, I was like, bro, I'm about to lose it on you in this sock. It doesn't feel right. And then his mom gets involved and it's just a big old mess, right? Those are just some, you know, like a small trial. But those small trials are big. They're big, especially in the moment when you're trying to go. We got to go, right? Trials aren't pleasant. They're just not. They're, uh, they're anything that infringes on our comfort, peace, and our plans. They disrupt our lives. We are so comfortable, right? Um, we want to be comfortable. That's our inclination. I want to be comfortable at times. Um, and if you have kids, they're not very comfortable. Right, kids? <laughs> I'm just playing. They, they make you different. They make you better. All right. So I think there's, you know, obviously there's two different responses to trials. Okay, we have, um, we are believers, right? If we're, um, you're a believer here today, your response to a trial will, should be different than the world's response to a uh, trial. Um, I want to look at a big trial. Uh, as, not as if uh, John Bunyan, see I got it right. Not if it's John Bunyan's trial wasn't big enough, but we're going to go to Job. We're going to go to Job 2. And I love this book, man, because this, this is, uh, whew, it's rough. This is rough. This is a true test of one's um, love for God or authenticity. So God has told Satan to attack his uh, fellow love Job. Right? He says, try Job. See if you can um, change his thoughts about me. So Satan goes and he literally takes everything from Job, his children, his property, everything. Imagine you being put in that spot. What would you do? Um, I would like to think that we as believers would embrace um, the fact that we don't have anything else, that we only need Christ and Christ alone. But I'm going to read um, Job 2, 9 and 10. It says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of foolish women who would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So we have two different responses to what Job is going through. Him saying, uh, her, I'm sorry, her saying, curse God and die. Job saying, what is wrong with you? Is God not enough? Do we not deserve worse? So there's two different responses right there. You see, the, the role of a... Tr- you know, the roles of trials, they're, 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 
in the world, they're obviously going to be different because our allegiance is different. And trials are meant to humble us, right? In a world that seems as if it's not full of any humility, uh, a trial is meant to humble us. Think of, when I think of this, it, it, of the world's response to a trial. I, I think of Lance Armstrong. I, I, I don't know why, I just think of him because he was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty prominent character who, who had cancer and he fought through cancer and then he goes on to be world-renowned cyclist, seven-time champion, right? And the world, right, after he went through the trial and he won all that, he became, which I think he already was, extremely prideful. And people embraced that. But we're not to be prideful in the midst of trial as believers. We are meant to be humbled, right? We, we are meant to be wholly and de- uh, dependent on the Lord. Not as if we can do it ourselves, but that is we need Him. I'm going to pull a quote from Paul Miller in The Praying Life. And I know Luke, he likes to use this book a lot. And it's, it's really good. It's really impactful. And I will encourage you to read it. Um, but Paul Miller says, quote, The still dry air of the desert brings the sense of helplessness. That is so crucial to the spirit of prayer. You come face to face with your inability to live, to have joy, to do anything of lasting worth. Life is crushing you. Suffering burns away the false selves created by cynicism or pride or lust. You stop caring about what people think of you. The desert is God's best hope of the creation of an authentic self. See, that's what we're looking for, an authentic self humbled by the Lord in the midst of trial, not as if we have it all together, not as if we're the biggest and baddest thing on this earth. Another use of trial, it exposes sin that is hidden. Now, in the world, that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to be something we're not. We're trying to hide things that, um, that would make us less attractive to people. That will, you know, there's, there's websites where you can hide yourself, right? Hide the fact that you're married. Hide anything you want to. Those trials are meant to expose that, right? Things you're going to go through, things that you're trying to hide will be exposed The thing that I was trying to hide was exposed. But by the grace of God, I am free. And you are too. You don't have to hide. You can be honest. You can be upfront. As hard as it is, you can do it. You know why? Because the God who loves you lives in you, and he gives you that strength to do so. I hate bringing, you know, I I hate, I don't like bringing up COVID all the time, right? Because there's, again, there's this, uh, this and that, you know, there's different 
I guess, um, versions of it, right? We, we, it seems as if it makes us all combative. But I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what it did for us as people. It exposed who we were, good and bad. It really did. I, I for one, am thankful, right? Because it did the same thing I'm just talking about. It exposed our sin. Or I wasn't as loving as I should have been. Or I wasn't as understanding as I should have been. That's a big deal. It exposed my wife's fear. It did so much for our family that when I look back in retrospect, I'm like, man, I am glad this happened. It has helped me look at things differently. It really has. Also, trials produce spiritual endurance. So we need it. My wife needed it dealing with me. I, guys, if I had time, I would sit there and tell you about the mess. But I don't have that much time. But she was able to endure my mess. I was able to endure my mess. There was a guy who, um, who um, was trying to break the record for... Uh, running the Appalachian Trail. I was watching a little documentary on it. It's pretty cool. But as he was running, um, he actually uh, tore a muscle in his leg. But even through that torn muscle, he ended up making it and breaking the record. So that trial that he had with his leg, it produced more endurance. He was able to withstand. Trials produce godly characteristics of honesty, patience. Where a world says, you don't need to be patient or honest, just fake it till you make it. By any means necessary. Right? We are not to be like that. We are, produce, we are to produce through these trials... Um, positions that people can trust. You can trust us because our gain isn't of any gain of the world. It's of the Lord. We put our trust in Him. And that leads me to a deeper trust in God, right? We start to believe, based on these trials, that, that God is worthy to be trusted, He is in control. He has our best interest. In Psalm 145, it says this. We start to believe this. We start to think your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. We start believing that. Trials shifts our focus from us to God. It shifts our idols to God. That's what we need these for. We need these trials. And we don't, need, we don't need to respond as the world. And if we are responding to the world, we examine ourselves. We look at what we're doing. How are we responding to this? 
Psalm 115.1 says, not, us, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but your name. Give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. So it's not us. The focus needs to shift to the Lord. He gets all the glory. It's about him. And then trials shift the focus from what's to come, for what's to come. Our, uh, the world says it's about now. J.G. Wentworth, I want my money and I want it now. All right? It's not about any other thing. It's, it's, it's about here. How happy are you here? How, are you enjoying it here? This is what it is. This is all yours. Hey, let's take it. Just, just here. So, I mean, Satan did it to Jesus, right? He said, this is all yours. All you got to do is bow to my feet. Jesus knew this is not his. This is not. What are you talking about? It's not about that. It's not about all this stuff you can give me. Right? The world pounds and pounds and pounds at you. Saying, hey, take this, take this, take this, do whatever you need to do to get this. That's not it. Go to Colossians 3 2. Let's see what he has to say about that. If I can get there myself. Well, oh, I was already there. Set your minds. On the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. You see, it's right there. He's telling you. It's not about this world. It's not about it. We need to look up. It's about him. Then trials makes us question our whole existence and purpose. Right? It makes us question our whole existence. Like, whenever we're going through trial, we're sitting there. And God gives us this opportunity where we can yell at him and say, hey, what's going on? In a world, I don't know what's going on. This is nonsense. I can't make sense of this. What is going on, Lord? He gives us that opportunity to cry out to him. Because we are questioning everything that's happening. We are questioning this mess, right? Uh, if you're comfortable today, question why you're comfortable. I know that sounds weird, but it's what I do. It's what I challenge my wife to. Hey, are you comfortable right now? If you are, let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. Built for comfort. We're not, we're not built for comfort. We're built for uncomfortability. That's what we're built for. Because where we are should make us uncomfortable. This is not our world. So we should be uncomfortable, and if we're not, we need to question that. There was this, I don't know if you ever watched this, American Gospel. It's a really, really good documentary, but it, um, it talks about the true gospel. It talks about false gospels. And this woman in particular stood out to me. She was a uh, CrossFit champion. Man, she was, you know... That's what her life consists of, just CrossFit, 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 CrossFit. And then she, she has a baby, right? And then they, f they find out um, that she has a degenerative disease. And so uh, she is cursing God, right? And through a series of events, um, she actually has a choice to have a baby. 
another baby, number three, or, or have the potential of death. And I, know, I know, you know, that's, um, that, that's, that's, a, that's a trial, right? So she's going through this, and, and God is sh- showing himself through this, right? She, um, having to deal with all this, it absolutely crushed her world. As somebody who had, uh, was all about CrossFit, all about that, she had to change her perspective. And then she started yelling at God, cursing at God, and God showed up. And I think that's what happens, right? We go through things, and God shifts our purpose. So she did all the CrossFit, but her purpose was actually to share the gospel, to go through all the trial and share the gospel. Look at Philippians 1, 12 through 14. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So you, my friend, when you're dealing with trial... Right, and you are a believer, your purpose, your purpose is to advance the gospel. Not just for the, you're not just for the, just go through trial just to go through trial. It is meant to refine you, to make you different than what you were before, to make you trust in God more than you did before. That's what it's for. The gospel is precious to us, right? It challenges who we are. This is what we need. God has came. God has came to save us from this mess. We, we embrace trial. We are to be joyful in trial. Why? Because it's about God, not us. Now, that's hard for some of us to do. I'm not going to sit here and say that I was just super happy that everybody caught me doing what I was doing, and then I had to explain it to my wife and explain it to the men I've been walking with. That's not fun, but it's necessary. And if you haven't went through any trial, right, if you're not winning anything, you're not doing anything, you're comfortable, Ask why you're comfortable. There's a friend of mine who I love dearly. We walk together. Um, He actually came to Christ. And before he did, I was praying for pain. Now, that sounds really weird, but it's true. Because we, he needed that pain to see what he uh, believed, right? Uh, I prayed for that. Lord, bring something. And it's not a death wish. It's, Lord, alter his life to where he sees the need for the gospel, for he, where he sees the need for Jesus. That's what I was praying for. Now, what that looks like, I don't know, but I was praying for it. And then, later on that week, he pronounces his faith in Christ. By a series of events that, you know, he had to, you know, the pain came. The pain actually came. And then I told him, 
hey, man, I prayed for pain for you. He said, you did what? You did what? I said, look, bro, I had to. And he's like, well, I'm glad nothing really, really bad didn't happen. So we can be, um, we can be joyful. We can be joyful in the midst of it. Um, now, how can we be joy- joyful, right? Uh, James tells us to um, seek wisdom, call out to God, pray. And go to Job 28, <clears throat> right? He, he, he calls us to go uh, uh, for wisdom, call out for wisdom. But what is wisdom? I think Job 28 um, explains it. It says, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. Go to 23, verse 23 says, God understands the way to it. God understands, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, and then he saw it and declared it. He established it, and he searched it out. And he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil and understanding. My wife um, was struggling, uh, I guess, a few weeks ago, really bad. We had a, a trial. Um, that dealt with uh, our family, and she was struggling really bad. And she, 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 I came home, and she said, man, she says, I really needed wisdom, so I called the counselor. And I said, what? I said, you, you don't need a wisdom from a counselor. So you need wisdom from God. So you may need help from a counselor, but you don't need wisdom from a counselor. You can't get that. Only God gives that, Right? So we talked about that. At first, uh, on, you know, in front, she's like, hold on a second, what do you mean? And I'm like, listen, this is what Scripture says. It's not what I said. This is what Scripture says. God. We go to God for wisdom. Now, in James, at the end of James, um, at the end of the first chapter, what I was reading, verse 12, let me read that. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. We get to be with our king, folks. These trials are nothing but a test to where if you are true, if you are authentic, if you are a believer, that you would stand, you would, you would, you would go through the trial and you would pass the test. God is faithful. If you are his beloved today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it is, God is faithful. Not only is he faithful to meet you where you are, but he uses men and women in your community and who love you to make sure of that. If you look at Job 2, After the fact, when his wife says, curse God and die, shortly after that, his friends come and comfort him. 
This is why Luke always talks about community. This is why community is so important. We're not alone. Not only are we not alone with God, but God gives us people who loves us dearly, who can walk us through those trials, who may have even went through those trials themselves. That is why community is so important. Guys, you cannot do this alone. I don't care who you think you are. You can't. You can sit here and portray. You can sit here and fake. You can do that all you want to. But I'm telling you, you can't do it alone. Scripture says so, not me. Right? This is what we're called to be in community. Right? Because when you go through that stuff, it's hard. Now, you want to recluse, right? When you're going through trial, you're like, well, I don't want to be alone. But, like, I want to be alone. But I'm like, what does that mean? Does that even make sense? No, 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 no. No. Push your spouse. Push your friend. Push whoever you need to towards community. It doesn't matter. Don't be afraid. There are people worse off than you. There are people better than you. But that doesn't matter. We're all one in Christ. We're all unified in Christ. So I asked, are you counting it all joy? Are you counting everything joy? Are we praying for wisdom from God? Are we allowing the people to infiltrate our lives so we can see the gospel more clearly, so we can see Christ more clearly? Are we doing that? If we're not doing that, let us examine, let us test, let us think, let us yell, let us do whatever we need to do, right? Every day is not a Friday, right? We are not, to me- we are not meant to be happy all the time, folks. Regardless of what you think, all those gospels that preach, hey, it's about you, be blessed, and all that nonsense, listen, You are blessed. You live for Christ. If you're a believer today, you live for Christ and you are blessed beyond imagination. All right? It's not about your happiness here. And if you feel uncomfortable now, good. I hope that I made you feel uncomfortable. If you have any problems with uncomfortability, I'll be right behind the stage and I'll come out front and we can talk. You know why? Because I want and God wants you to be uncomfortable. He wants you to question your faith to see if you're in it. If it's true, if it's authentic, that's what he wants. If you think you aren't called to suffer, if you think you aren't called for trial, I'm going to read this in 1 Peter 4. This is what Peter says. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. I I didn't say it. He said it. This is what he wants. This is what we're going to have to go through. Yeah, we get to preach the gospel. We get to be Christians outside of the realm of our homes right now. But what if you weren't? What if you weren't? Would you stand the test? Would you be able to pass the test? That's a good, 
That's a good thing to think about. Should we? Would we? One last thing as I finish. There is a a book called The Valley of Vision. It's a Puritan prayer book. It's a really good book. They have a lot of subjects um, in the book, but I wanted to read one in particular, and it was joy. And this is where I'll end. Let my heart leap towards the eternal Sabbath, where the work of redemption, sanctification, preservation, glorification is finished and perfected forever. Where thou will rejoice over me with joy. There is no joy like the joy of heaven. For in that state are no sad divisions, unchristian quarrels, contentions, evil designs, weariness, hunger, cold, sadness, sin, suffering, persecutions, toils of duty. O healthful place where none are sick. O happy land where all are kings. O holy assembly where all the priests, all our priests. How free a state where none are servants except to thee. Bring me speedily to the land of joy within our master. Guys, I urge you, I urge you to enter into the joy of the master. Not the happiness, but the joy.